on this episode of Edge of the Web. Just keep experimenting. I think we're going to, all the changes we've seen in the past year, I think are going to really kind of come to bear this year. And I think by the end of the year, I think that's when we're going to see Instagram stories starting to get super competitive. So just get your learnings in now, fail fast, find out what works and what doesn't, and then just start applying it. You're going to be 10 steps ahead of your competition. Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. You're listening and watching Edge of the Web. Winners of Best Podcast from the Content Marketing Institute for 2017. Here at see more at edgeofthewebradio.com. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. All right. Hey, uh, this is Edge of the Web Radio, uh, episode 343. We're getting up there, almost 350 here. I don't know what we're going to do for, uh, for, uh, three, for 350. I got a party or something like that. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. Every week we bring you amazing guests to chat with regarding digital marketing news trends, as well as unpacking a key marketing topic for our digital marketing audience. Whether you're a part of an agency or a freelancer or a, a part of a firm, this show is for you. Be sure to check out all the recent shows over at edgeofthewebradio.com. That's edgeofthewebradio.com. If you're new to the show, let us know. Let, let, let's give you the ropes here. They, the ropes are we do the show every Monday as much as we possibly can at 3 p.m. Eastern live. So we certainly encourage our listeners and our, and our followers to jump into the live engagement because we want to be able to have those questions that you have uh, posed to our guests. So feel free to jump in there and uh, let us know what you're thinking about as we're, as we're guiding this conversation. Uh, you can also uh, jump in afterwards into any YouTube platform that you're listening to. Our show's right there, so go, simply subscribe to that. If we're not where you are from your, from your, uh, 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 your podcast uh, production, let us know and we'll absolutely get there. I think we got them all covered, but I could be wrong. Um, find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn. Uh, what else we got? Um, well, there's so many. <laughs> Check them all. We've got all the links on our show page. If you just uh, look for our SEO podcast, you'll be able to find us right there. We're at the top of the list. Uh, you can find all the transcripts of the show over at edgeofthewebradio.com. We're rolling out from this show uh, the full transcript as well as a number of different blog pieces regarding that. So uh, jump over and unpack a little bit more of what we talked about on the show. Show is brought to you by Site Strategics, the title sponsor of the show. Uh, Site Strategics is the pioneer in the agile marketing, uh, digital marketing world. So we focus on uh, SEO, technical SEO, search engine marketing, search engine social, uh, social media marketing, and social media advertising, uh, conversion rate optimization, omni-channel media, the slew of stuff that we do here on the show from this media studio. We do that over at Site Strategics. So if you're interested in what agile marketing is, simply give us a call at 877-SEO-FOR-WEB or 877 Four nine three two, and there's the gratuitous commercial. All right, and the team, you're both out. You're gonna have to talk. You too. <laughs> Jacob Mann and Allie Coons are in the in the in the house uh, helping us with this production. Say something. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. That's a good looking shirt you've got there. You've got an excellent I, shirt as well. Like Look that? at that. I, like I really do. Ah, uh, see, you're wearing the team colors. There we go. So uh, why we have these, uh, we're actually going to be uh, at SMX uh, tomorrow. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah we're getting late tomorrow. It'll be a, it'll, it'll be a late trip, but yeah. uh, we're going to be out there as media partners for SMX uh, for 
uh, Tuesday for Wednesday and Thursday's conference is going to be fantastic. We're going to go out and meet a number of the people that uh, we talk to on a regular basis. Uh, so if you see us, you see these jerseys, uh, uh, track us down. And, uh, hey, we could even do an impromptu uh, interview out there as well. So it's going to be fun. Uh, if you haven't gotten your ticket, uh, I think it's probably the last opportunity to do so. Get it now. Get it now and you know, take the red eye out there. And uh, you can actually use a uh, code that we have as a media sponsor or media media partner of that. If you actually use the code EDGE15, uh, you can actually get 15% off of your ticket. And, and again, Allie has not said anything this entire Say. She's just not going to talk. She's, she said she doesn't want to because she didn't wear her jacket today. <laughs> oh, she's not allowed to. Oh, she's not allowed to. I got you. I got you. Well, we are allowed to tell you who's going to be on the show coming up here. We're going to have Sherry Bonnelly uh, next week as well as Brittany Mueller. Um, B- Brittany Muller. Keep on doing that. Uh, on the 9th of March, uh, there's a number of uh, additional uh, 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 individuals coming up here in the next few weeks, but uh, we wanted to let you know those two, uh, two interviews are also, like I said, going to be a media partner over at SMX, so go get your ticket today and get 15% off. And if you're interested in being part of the show or you have a guest that you'd like or a, uh, uh, an interview that we'd like to have, just let us know over at info at edgeofthewebradio.com. That's info at edgeofthewebradio.com. Set your reminders to, on YouTube to get notified when we go live. All right. Last but not least, if you're an Edge fan, and we certainly appreciate you as loyal listeners, we want to learn a little bit more about what you'd like to hear from the show. So go over to edgeofthewebradio.com. We had a poll running. Uh, simple questions. It's anonymous. We will not even ask for your email. That's how, that's how intent we are on getting some information from you. So uh, let us know what you're interested in uh, for the show content for 2020, and we will certainly listen. Jump over to the site real quick and let us know what you think. we got a feedback tab there as well. We'd love to hear from you. Give us your thoughts. All right, so with all that, let's uh, introduce and deep dive with this week's featured guest. All right, so we have the none other but Susan Winograd on the line. She's been here three times now. Why in the world she's a glutton for punishment, I have no idea. But Susan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, we're all pumped for SMX, as you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> heading out to the West Coast. <laughs> heading out to the West Coast. We were there in 16. Uh, had a great okay. time, so we're coming back there again and uh, teaming up with Third Door to see what we can do from a from a media content creation side of things and nice. kind of whip whip things into shape and do a little bit of broadcast. I'm not gonna lie, nice. I'm in it for the weather. You're in it. Th- <laughs> you're in it for the weather. <laughs> it is. It is a weird, weird set of weather out here, Susan. I mean, literally Thursday it was three degrees here. Oh, Sunday, it was literally 53. Yeah. What That's the- how our winter's been, too. And my kids played in both. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I mean, literally, the neighbors were out in their little uh, motorized go-karts, always picking up poo out of the backyard that, <laughs> that has been there all winter long. Thanks, thanks, kids. Appreciate that. You weren't doing, this, they, were getting, they were getting allowance. This is how so. you get subscribers here. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you all about the crap in the backyard. <laughs> um, so, uh, Susan, we certainly appreciate you coming out. Why in the world are you here a third time? That's the question. No, oh, you guys are fun to talk to. I like that I could, it's hard to find people that will geek out and, you know, have emotions about digital marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I mean, it, it, we're, we're, it's what's wired in our blood. I mean, I mean, how can you not be passionate whenever you have a, a Google Core algorithm that lasts seven days? SEO, I will say SEOs are always passionate. Le- people are less passionate about 
things like paid media, but I, I remain quite passionate about them. <laughs> well, is it, is it, is it passionate or are we just frenzied? Just not knowing. Well, both during the, during the algorithm updates, it's frenzied for sure. Absolutely. All right. So we want to introduce Susan to our listeners who have not been uh, listened to the show before. Um, uh, she is the CMO of AimClear. Uh, Susan, tell us a little bit about AimClear and what, what you, what you guys do. Yeah, um, we're an integrated digital marketing agency. So we handle everything from paid media to PR mm -hmm. to email funnels, CRO, all of that kind of stuff. Just basically making sure all your digital channels are working together seamlessly. Absolutely. And you represent AimClear on podcasts like this, conferences yep. and publishing uh, and, and writing. So you're a publisher on a number of, of different platforms. And if you haven't been in, in the conference circuit uh, for a while, um, shame on you. You need to be out there. But uh, Susan has been at SMX, PubCon, Digital Summit Series, Brighton SEO, PPC, PPC HeroConf, State of Search, and other events. And you're also contributing into Marketing Land, Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal, and much more. You you get pretty busy, don't you? Yes. <laughs> conference season, March and April, I'm basically just not home for most of it right. <laughs> during right. conference season. So the writing part's easier because I, I write fast and I can kind of do that whenever. But yeah, the conference season is more demanding. It's kind of a slog, but I mean, we really appreciate, appreciate you going out there and teaching all of us. It's fun. I have a great time teaching. I enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, uh, listeners, if you hadn't caught the previous shows, uh, Susan was on episode 251, shifting the Google ad Google, from Google ads to Facebook ads, as well as uh, 316, episode 316, leveraging search and social for maximum ROI. So please check out those podcasts because we had a great time there. But we wanted to bring her back around and really unpack a lot inside of Instagram stories. But first, give us your history. Where you, How did you get to uh, where you are today? Yeah, I started um, in e-commerce actually at circuitcity.com. So I did um, content editing and email marketing for them That's right. um, for quite a few years. And then um, I fell into PPC, just love of words and copy and love of metrics were became one <laughs> in PPC. Um, so I started in paid search and then um, I really got interested in Facebook ads because mm -hmm. um, it just felt a little more classical marketing to me. Like I liked the mix of the creative part as well as the targeting, as well as the math. So right. it had all of the stuff that I enjoyed doing. Um, so I got involved in Facebook ads in 2013 hmm. was when I got heavily into them. Um, and the demand that's, that's, is just that's been, about the time they started. Yeah. No, they started sooner than that, but they were, they were very simplistic. Right. It was like just right hand side only basic cost per click. They were very, very, like in their infancy. Got it. Um, around 2011 is when they started to pick up a lot. 2013 is when they started to get really popular. Mm -hmm. So that's just where the demand has been more so the past few years is kind of Google ads has become a more mature platform. Um, the paid social world has just been changing so fast that mm -hmm. that's just kind of where I've wound up spending most of my time these days because that's just where people need help the most. So, um, but I've done it um, for in-house. Um, the majority of my experience at this point is agency side. So mm -hmm. I've worked with e-com, lead gen, lots of names you'd know that I can't say because of NDAs, <laughs> all the way down to, you know, small businesses that needed help. So I've kind of done it across the spectrum at this point. But, uh, and as much as... Um uh, you uh, you have focused on paid. You also recognize that you just can't be siloed in that space because there's yeah. so many uh, in, uh, integrated spaces in which uh, you need to be able to pay pay attention to attribution from other other places. It, it just can't be in one area. So you certainly have um, uh, championed a lot of different uh, skills inside of digital marketing. But we appreciate the deep dive that you've been doing regularly on face on on Facebook and Instagram uh, mm -hmm. ad space. So. 
one of the key things that, that we wanted to open up with is something that you wanted to talk about as really the, the, the deepening chasm of, of ages and different social platforms. We talked about yeah. it briefly, um, I, I, I think either the last show or the show before, of just how the spectrum's changing, how, mm -hmm. how diff different demographics are, are uh, drifting. And I got some demos uh, that I'd love, you, love for you to uh, 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 comment on Facebook. Uh, and this is from Sprout Social. I had a huge uh, breakdown of demographics. Facebook, 74% of the users visit at least once a day. Uh, it's important to note that usage among teens has dropped in favor of YouTube, Instagram, and Snapchat. And the network uh, leans more towards women at 75% and 63% of men using the platform. So is that what you see in your perspective on, on the changing demographics? Give us a little bit more context. Yeah, so um, it's there's a couple interesting things going on. Actually, I, if you go to Search Engine Journal, uh -huh. um, I had an article that was posted. I think it was early last week that kind of deep dives on this. But oh, what sweet. was what was interesting is certainly the demographic shift between Facebook and Instagram has become very noticeable. I mean, it's noticeable when you do ad buys about how you know the buy gets distributed and where most of the inventory is and where most of the performance is. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was interesting is when I was putting together this information for search engine journal, I started discovering some studies that were done. Um, they, I found them on Statista, but okay. they were done about how and why people go on these platforms. Right. And the part that was super interesting is why they're on these platforms. And they're for very different reasons on Instagram versus Facebook. So on Facebook, the majority of the users, it was like over half of them are there to be entertained and to catch up with friends and family. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And the, the, fraction of them that you know say that they expect to hear from brands is very small right when you looked at instagram it was very different it was to be entertained to hear from brands and to see friends and family it was much there was this much greater expectation mm -hmm. of interacting with a brand on instagram as opposed to facebook wow. so it was interesting to see because it explains a lot about why users are more receptive and i think it's always been assumed that it's just because Instagram's more visual, so it's more captivating. But I think there's just also a generational acceptance mm -hmm. of the fact that brands almost have personalities and they're kind of like people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this expectation that you're going to see what they've done recently on Instagram in a way that you don't expect to see as a user on Facebook. And so, uh, yeah, and, and just the delivery of that obviously is visual. Obviously, we've got mm -hmm. uh, great videos, but it's, but it's, um, it's, it's that, it's that connection of, of emotion. Yes. In, in that space that, that the younger generation is certainly expecting more and mm -hmm. more from brands. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the interactivity piece is a big part of that as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. So the ability to, you know, purchase right from Instagram now, um, you know, in stories, you could have polls. So there's all these ways that whoever is posting on Instagram, it feels like it's, you know, on Facebook, it's, it's always been kind of comments and likes and stuff, but right. there's different uh, interaction types that have been rolling out on Instagram um, that they're trying to roll out to Facebook, but the adoption really isn't that great, which just really, I think, further highlights the differences in these demographics. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, there's certainly less interaction in, in interactivity on the Facebook ad platform. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, just to be able to understand that the brands aren't really wanted there, is this almost like a, an evolution of, of the platform that got so monetized and we were just peppered with ads inside of Facebook that there mm -hmm. was a true natural push away 
from from even interacting with those ads and the, the you know the likely platform would be a, a good deal more uh, brand oriented inside of Instagram I mean two two different things are playing at the same time we got just inundated inside yes. of Facebook right yes yeah and really all they had was the feed too so right. it kind of became this one trick pony and I, I always think of it like display ads were the thing, you know, back in like the early to mid 2000s and not display still has its place, but those were the only type of ads there were. Hmm. But then once they were everywhere, they call it banner blindness. Like people don't even see them anymore. A lot of times they go to pages, they automatically ignore them. So it's kind of the same thing in Facebook. So that's, you know, from a feed perspective, we're seeing more and more that creative is winning more so than targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the Facebook algorithm is smart enough at this point that it's it does a pretty good job of finding the people that you're looking for. I mean, how consistently it does that day over day is debatable, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely gotten very smart in the way that it targets. But right. the creative is still that human element that it really can't be auto-generated in a way that's going to win. Mm. Um, so you know, we've seen things where it's like, it's been the same targeting for months and months. And then we finally get the right creative and it looks like you completely changed everything, but it's just because the creative was better, but it's just so competitive now for those eyeballs because people don't want to see it. They skip past it a lot. So you have to do that much more to stand out. There's also a pushback on just the data privacy side of things. Mm -hmm. And there's a migration away from Facebook, although granted Facebook owns Instagram, there was just this, this, uh, push over the course of the last couple of years. So, I mean, younger minds are are less to trust, right? And they're mm-hmm. looking for something that actually speaks, speaks them a good deal more visually. But on top of it, it's a fresh new game, so to speak, as opposed mm-hmm. to, I mean, is Facebook now the, the grandpa network? <laughs> I mean, literally. I mean, that's, it, that's kind of how it seems. Um, like when you look at it from the outside in, right. I mean, I, you know, we still see that there's tons of ad in- inventory. We still are able to spend a lot of money and mm-hmm, sell on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So it definitely like hasn't fallen off the map. It's just that the demographics that we see do well on there and the ones that we see respond have certainly shifted. Um, you know, we definitely tend to see it's it's more female heavy. It's dominated by like 45 plus now usually. So yep. you can you can still sell to the younger you know, set on there, but the inventory is usually a lot smaller. It's usually a little more expensive. So it's, it, it's definitely easier to sell to the older quote unquote demographic, um, than the ones that are at like Snapchat or, or Instagram or ones like that. In comparison between Instagram and Facebook, uh, is there a difference in the, the, uh, time on, uh, on platform on a daily basis? Is there much more immersion on the Instagram side? I need to see what that looks like nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Facebook on their quarterly things, the only times that I've seen them talk about time on platform, I haven't seen them break it out between Facebook and Instagram in the in the summaries that I've seen. It's um, probably intentional. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, probably. Yeah. I, you know, there there have been some um, studies about how much time people spend in stories versus feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been pretty fascinating to see because on Instagram, people are spending more time in stories than they are in feeds at this point. So mm-hmm. the growth rate there is just exponentially higher. Um, but yeah, the time on site thing has always been kind of a curiosity of mine because I'm sure on the Facebook side, it's probably dropped. Um, but because they're treating everything like, I don't know if you even noticed when you open the Instagram app now, it says Instagram, but on the bottom, it's like by Facebook. So right. like they're starting to like try and merge together. the brands. Right. Yeah. To not make it feel so separate. 
Um, so I'm not really sure what the breakout of that looks like. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I'm not, I know that was a big decision in in their in their boardroom there, but you know, cultivate the, the different platforms. Don't don't try to force uh, force into that space. But um, uh, th- there are some stats that show that there's still a uh, more uh, there's more logins per day on Facebook than Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if the the, the immersion time, the the, the overarching uh, time on platform is higher. Um, because I, I certainly do do understand that this is a whale of a different environment than Facebook is. Yes. Um, but on top of that, they're not all your friends inside of Instagram. You're actually looking at brands. You're looking at things that 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 aren't in your circle, so to speak. It's, it's yes. a good deal a good deal more uh, interactive interactive on the 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 non known brands. So uh, along with that. There's so something so different in the Instagram space, and that is the Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, give us a, a kind of a history of the story, how it evolved. I mean, it truly is a unique platform, just like Pinterest is. Yes. But how in the world Instagram just completely overshot? And is that is that that? I mean, we had the old the the vines, and we've had the Snapchats, these video mm-hmm. platforms. But Instagram's really taking hold of this space. Yeah. And so so give us a history of the stories and how they've evolved. So stories actually was a creation of Snapchat. <laughs> so I'm sure they're they're happy to see that Instagram has taken it and run with it. Got it. Um, but stories were originally an organic placement. Um, they didn't have ads in them for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of just a, a tester thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what it managed to do is it it kind of managed to bridge the gap of the feed world that it seemed the younger audience wasn't embracing as quite as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were using it, but it just felt like there was some other thing that was going to speak to that generation better. And so I think what my guess is probably looking at what was working well on Snapchat, it's, you know, the format was a big part of it. And so they did a good job of marrying like that format, but within the Instagram world to see what it would do. Um, So once stories started doing well, and then they started adding more interactive options, like, you know, the app ability, you had the um, ability to swipe up, you can add polls. So they started adding these interactive elements that were adopted. Hmm. So I think, you know, and the other, the other big one was, Snapchat, I think, kind of ha- hung on for a while because it had the face filters and then Instagram released face filters. So right. it was like they kind of took that one thread of what was resonating with the younger crowd on Snapchat, but they integrated it into Instagram, which was already trending younger. And I think that probably acted as a magnet for some of the younger people that wouldn't have been on it much longer. It kept them there. Yep. So um, hmm. they finally started adding um, you know, advertising space in it and at a very small rate. Um, but when you look at like the adoption rates of daily active users on stories, it is astronomically higher than what you see on Snapchat or with feeds. Wow. So it's, it's a really quickly growing, um, you know, atmosphere for them. And they're, they're trying to make it work on Facebook, but kind of as, you know, reaffirming that it really is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Facebook stories, like they're, they're saying that it's growing, but it's, in some ways, I feel like they kind of left no choice because when they redesigned the app, you see the stories at the top. But the ad inventory for them, from what we've experienced, is still very, very low. Um, and there's been a lot of news stories about the actual adoption rate of people at, like choosing to add to them right. is somewhat low. Because like when you go to post 
your Facebook post in the feed, you have the option to add it to the story too. So they're trying to make it like a new habit, but it just doesn't seem like it's catching on very no, well. No, they're they're almost they're they're secluded circles there, and and um, you can't you can't move the the Facebook audience now into utilizing that because you got a higher and higher uh, uh, Gen Zer uh, demographic. Uh, I mean, well, actually, the millennials and the Generation Xers and the Baby Booners they're they're now the 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 uh, the groups that are actually interacting with Facebook and they they may not even know some of the the the, the goals that you have with mm-hmm. the the visual uh, marketing that you can do for yourself and yep. I say that because I mean it is this image environment and there's a particular mentality of 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 being able to post those images on a regular basis there also has to be a discipline to do it as well so yeah. there's a there's a there's a, a uh, a tribal concept that's inside Instagram that Facebook tried to tap into. And obviously mm-hmm. Facebook is the, the largest social media platform, but it's so diverse of all these different demographics that mm-hmm. now you're starting to see this fractional audience, just like Quora, just like these, uh, uh, not to, not to that sizable degree, obviously, but there is a, a, a tribal concept in Instagram that broke away from Facebook. Right. And I, I think the other part too, is just the, at a certain point, you're only going to be able to do so much with one platform. So, you know, Facebook's trying to incorporate and be everything to everybody. And what I think Instagram has done a good job of was like, they knew what they were good at and that's what they focused on. They, you know, they've kind of waded into it with like IGTV and stuff, but it's, you know, Facebook has tried Facebook watch and they have like, you know, the, I forget the the town hall stuff and they have pages and they have groups and they have, you know, they have all of this stuff. But at a certain point, like people tend to just go there and use these two to three things that they go there for. Absolutely. And getting them to adopt something past that point is going to be difficult. So I think the other part is too, it's like most of the people that use stories are the demographic that's on Instagram. So to them, it's like, why would I make a story in two different places? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I already posted my story on Instagram, like I'm done. So I think that there's also that part of it is it's going to feel repetitious to the people that are on both platforms. As a sidebar, what are your thoughts about IGTV and Instagram actually taking it off the app? Is there any there there anymore? It doesn't feel like there is. I kind of, I feel like I haven't really seen much, you know, new rollout with it. Um, I think they had high, everyone's just trying to compete with YouTube. And the problem is, I mean, YouTube is primarily a search platform to begin with. So the the discoverability is very different. Um, and their recommendation algorithm is fantastic. So it's like the, you know, on the IGTV side, it's, you know, I think there's just this perception that it's just going to be like long TV shows with Kardashian type influencers. Right. And does anybody want to watch that content? You know what I mean? It's just, I, I don't feel like there's, <laughs> I don't really feel like there's like a unique selling proposition to it. There's other not, than and, the fact like, Hey, you're already on the platform. So watch something longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know and I mean? and, that, and go, that challenge is the usability of the entire platform for the mobile yeah. experience. I think it was, it, it was their attempt to, to uh, carve out some of that YouTube, uh, that live YouTube interactivity and yep. it, the, the interface was clunky. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not well thought out to be able to no. use this as an ongoing tool set. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of it's kind of uh, been pushed to the side. So Instagram Stories, we understand this tribal side of things, and it's a, and the engagement is explosive. It's 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 uh, it's an exponential growth as opposed to yeah. other video formats. So the adoption rate that you see inside of social media, what, what you're talking what you're talking about is very interesting. Is that these these platforms cannot try to be omnipurpose for for 
all the demographics as well as all the utilities. So now you're seeing yep. live live YouTube and you uh, live video and video inside of YouTube. Um, I'm, I dare say that Facebook is still going to try to carve a piece out of the uh, out of the live pie and the, the video pie. Mm-hmm. But there, I mean, there's. Uh, groups are starting to start moving towards those utilities as opposed to trying to get it all in one basket. Right. Yep. Yep. And I think that that's, that's been something that I've, I mean, I don't speak on it, but just watching where things are going, my personal belief, everyone's like, Oh, what's going to be the Facebook killer. It's not going to be one platform that does it. It's yep. going to be 10 platforms that do the 10 things Facebook do does, but doesn't better. Yes. Yep. Um, and I think the other part is, and I think Facebook is realizing also that it's just at a point where they can't algorithmically select content for people and have happy customers. So Amen. <laughs> when you look at something like part of the reason why they're pushing groups is they are trying to push people to self-select into what they want to see. Mm-hmm. And even that's become an issue because they're, I mean, I see it all the time. People are like, I don't see group content anymore. Like I used to always see the group content. Now that's the reach on that is becoming a problem because right. it's just too much for one thing to handle. So I've always said, I feel like the, the Reddit now, you know, Reddit's a different animal, but I feel like the concept of the subreddit world is probably going to become more prevalent in how social is done because I, people want the control over what they see. Mm -hmm. They want control over what groups they belong to, how they, what they identify with. So I've I've been saying for a while, I'm like, I don't think it's going to be like one platform that kills Facebook. I think it's going to be like the mediums of the world are going to take over the long form content that people like reading, or it's going to be like, you know, that people want short, fun video. It's going to be TikTok. Like they're going to go to these platforms for different things and they're going to self-select into that environment as far as what they want to see. It's interesting because you saw the big giants just suck up all of these small companies and it's almost this natural pushback is no, we don't want to have everything in one platform. And on top of that, you do doing it bad. So we yeah. do want to have these these more niche type of products. I mean, my god, LinkedIn groups are better than Facebook groups, right? <laughs> right. That's scary in its own right. Hey, yeah, uh, anytime we, LinkedIn does something better, it's that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to make sure that our listeners uh, make sure to uh, hit the uh, YouTube bell so you get notified whenever uh, we go live. As well as, please uh, let us know how we're doing on iTunes uh, by uh, rating rating the show. Give us a review if you would. All right, now. That's our that's our history. That's where we 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 wanted to come to. Now let's unpack this tool that you're you're being asked about more and more and more. It's the Instagram mm-hmm. Story ads. Now that's yep. that's had an evolution in in September of last year. Instagram's two million monthly active users uh, were were all limited to the news feeds, and there there was stories there. But then came the Story ads. So mm-hmm. describe it. What do we have there at our disposal as advertisers? So. Um if you're not familiar with stories, I always tell advertisers, go and view them first because it's it's a totally different experience than feeds. And it's one of those things you're like, yeah, I get it. It's a video, but it's like, no, go sit there and watch it for like 10 minutes and see what it's like as a user mm-hmm. um, because it's a full screen experience. Um, and it's unlike with a news feed where there's stuff competing for your attention, right. there is not competition for your attention with a story, which is kind of interesting given that there's the whole, oh, our attention span is less than a goldfish or whatever. But <laughs> the, Instagram stories are actually a very captive audience thing. They're only 15 seconds, but that's actually pretty long when you consider the average watch time in the feed is less than eight seconds now. Yep. Um, it's longer than average. And so users do have the ability to you know, swipe right to keep going to the next one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they have to like 
X out to get out of it. So unlike with a feed where they choose to stop, mm -hmm. in stories, you don't choose to stop. You merge onto the highway and then you kind of decide if you're merging left or merging right. When you're huh. on the feed, you decide when you stop and go. So right. it's it's a different environment. Um, but because it's a full screen experience and it's a full length experience, it's really important to understand what that's like as a user. Um, so you know, you're not gonna want to take like a landscape photo and use it in this vertical screen. So, and you'll, you'll go through and you'll see ads where they do that. And it's, it looks so bad. Yep. So I always tell people like most of the Instagram ads you see are pretty terrible. So it's actually a good like practice to sit there and go through because you'll immediately recognize, Oh gosh, that looks bad. It looks bad when you do that. Like you can recognize what doesn't look good yep. to make sure that you don't do that. Um, but the other thing that's, I always tell people too, is like, look at how people use them organically because you know, you don't want to stick out like a commercial. People swipe right through it as soon as they're like, "Ugh, it's commercial." They they go through it. Yeah. But if you look at how people use it, look at the way they use hashtags, look at the stickers, look at the polls they do, mm -hmm. because those are indicators as to what makes it feel natural for that environment. So the more that, like the more stories that you watch, the right. more you kind of get what they feel like and how they work and how people interact with them and what users ask you to do and how they tell the story. And once you understand how it's used organically, your ads are going to get exponentially better because you can fit into that environment so much better than just trying to go through like a typical 15 second commercial with this long intro yep. and building up towards the end. It'll help kind of clear that out of your mind and recenter you into how people actually use this channel. Got it. So part, part of this is also in reference to one of our news articles uh, this week about uh, some of the uh, online tools or the, the app tools that uh, Instagram has made available to be able to create these stories. And that also is getting these brands into the, the native application as opposed to using three third-party videos. Uh, you can actually do a lot of creativity uh, right there on the app. So um, it's kind of breaking down some of the the polish and and and, uh, and forcing brands to really use some of the tools and the interactivity uh, to be able to communicate to that the Instagram tribe. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's it actually is amazing that that this I mean this this ad and they and Facebook tried it but this ad type is literally taking over the entire screen. And mm -hmm. where else do you actually have that type of experience? Yeah. Uh, as a, as a digital as a digital consumer, right? Yep. Yeah, it's it's very immersive. Um, I think the thing that's an adjustment for a lot of brands, unless they're doing spots on like, say, YouTube, most of these brands have been running in feeds. So they're used to having like a, a text block to go with it. Right. So one of the biggest adjustments for brands on the advertiser side is that you're essentially making a TV commercial. Oh, so wow. there's no body copy. Like there can be if it just auto formats your your feed ad it'll bring in some of the copy on the bottom, but mm -hmm. if it's long, it cuts it off. So you, you really have to treat your Instagram stories, you know, as a TV commercial, you want to use the entire screen mm -hmm. and you cannot rely on like body copy and a headline like you would on a feed. That's right. not going to be there. So you have to get really good about telling your story, giving your offer, telling the benefits visually. And that's been a big adjustment for a lot of brands because most of them are used to being able to do that in a video, but they have accompanying text sure. that fills it in or you know gives them the longer story and you don't have that with stories. So that's the other thing for brands to be aware of is if you go through and you start watching stories, pay attention to how people get their message across. Um, you can use text um, overlays in your stories. There's no 20% text rule. I was gonna like ask you that, yeah. Uh -huh. Not yet. Um, so you can do that, but you just have to remember that it's it's 15 seconds. So 
you have to, you know, it has to go at a rate that people can read and absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's one of the, it is an art form, you know, it's, that's why you hire people to make commercials. Right, <laughs> right, right. Kind of like they know how fast people can read, where to place things, how to place them, what colors to use. Um, but it is definitely, it's a, it's a mindset shift for a lot of, you know, Facebook, Instagram people where it's like, they're used to doing feeds people that have done YouTube to them. It feels very natural. I mean, it's different dimensions, but they're like, this feels normal to me. Um, so it's, it kind of depends on what background you're coming from with where you've made ads before. But but isn't that interesting in its own right? Because we're being forced to be more creative and we're tuning to what is expected of that user is that they don't want to read. They want to be one of you. They want to be able to, to, to interact. And it also puts that brand on, on, on stage, so to speak, that if you're not creative, right. Then it's that, so noticeable. It's so noticeable, <laughs> and and it, it's it's also like uh, you know it's it's that that's not the type of advertising we're looking for, and you're going to see those uh, those performance metrics really go downhill. There is such a an explosion whenever it's done well. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about some of the creative uh, Instagram stories that you've seen? Yeah, um, and what's kind of amazing is there's been a lot of brands like lamenting the fact they're like, you know, I used to get such strong return on spend from Facebook, you know, even at top of funnel. Now it's mm-hmm. mostly remarketing. The sales cycle so long. I have multiple clients where we are seeing like OG Facebook results with Instagram stories. We are like where it is converting off top of the funnel if the creative wow. is done right. Um, I mean, we have some clients where we moved the bulk of their spend to Instagram stories because it did that much better than Facebook or feed. Yeah. So, um, the biggest thing that we find is that we, we really can't predict what users are going to like. Um, so it requires a lot more testing than it does in the feed, which can take a little more time. Cause like we said, a lot of it's about the video production piece. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, on the, on the feed side, you can kind of get lazy. Like I've seen brands get really, really like, well, then we know this visual works and we're just going to taste test like 18 different versions of coffee, you know? So it's like, they're not having to redo the visual, but on stories you have to redo the visual. So it, it's a little more time intensive to do. Hmm. Um, but I mean, we're seeing like four five, six return on spend, um, for some clients depending on, you know, with the price of their product. Wow. Um, but what's interesting is we actually see, you know, clients that, it's not necessarily an easy thing. Like it's not a straight e-commerce. Like there's a, there's a subscription service client that we have where you kind of have to like read on the site to see how it works. Mm -hmm. And it converts so much better than feed. It's, it's crazy. And we're just like, but we're telling them less in the video because we just can't explain it all in the text but it does a better job of getting them to the site and selling it. It's so almost, it's just, it's almost like you're performing in front of the Instagram audience and yeah. brevity is the key and you're getting voted up so to speak as, yeah. as you have a better and better creativity. And it's a great lesson to learn for brands to understand the investment of creativity. It's almost like a reset because it is. I always tell people like whatever you're doing in feed, do not just be like, yeah, and we're going to throw in a story. And right. It's hard not to do that because of the way Facebook sets it up. Mm. It's just a checkbox in the placements. Yep. So it's really easy to just check it off and be like, oh yeah, run it there and not give it another thought. But then it's like, if you actually go to the ad preview and look at it, it looks awful when they just pull your regular feed. It looks terrible. Absolutely. So it's worth it, but it's hard because it's a habit change. I mean, people just kept those boxes checked forever. So 
to go in and remember to be like, you know, specify a different creative for stories or set stories up in their own ad set altogether. It's a big habit change for a lot of people. I, honestly, the latter has got to be the discipline is that you have to be much more creative in your visual and set it up. Don't don't connect it to a feed story. It's yeah. Just, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. There are some some great stats. Uh, Ralph Lauren was able to increase their sales by 18 percent reading uh, reaching millennials with the help of the Instagram story ads. They were actually able to increase the product page views by 41 percent amongst Gen Z audiences. I mean, there's a lot of really great stats out there of adopt if they're doing it right, if they're paying yep. attention to it. If that, you do it right, that's what you'll see. I think that's the hard part is there's so many times where people are like, oh, those don't work for me and I uncheck them. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Did you just run your feed creative? Well, yeah, I'm like, that would be why. Like, that's that's normally, I will say, you know, there are a lot of people that work in creative and they're like, well, the creative what's make, what makes all the difference. And that's, I mean, it does make a huge impact, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. I will say that Instagram stories are the one place I see where you could run everything the same way. And if you just change the creative, you'll see massively different wow. results. It is the one thing that where I see it's like, it's not about like, the targeting matters, but like if it's the same targeting that's working in your feed and it's not working in the stories, you have a creative problem. That's nine times out of 10 what it's going to be. Know your so, audience. Know your yeah, audience and know the tools. Differences. Absolutely. So some of the call to actions that that can be set inside of, of stories, you got brand awareness, brand awareness, obviously. You got reach, you got video, view, video views, conversions, app installs, lead generation. So what are some of the most... Uh, valuable CTAs that you've seen uh, take hold when rolling out these story ads? I'm still, you know, I, it's tough with conversion ads on Facebook, but I see really good results with conversion ads on stories still. Um, awesome. I don't, a lot of times with Facebook, it's like, I'll roll it out as best practice, but it can be difficult to get it to work if it's not a high volume transaction environment. Mm -hmm. um, but I've seen it. I've actually, it's kind of interesting because stories is low inventory. So you think that it would be difficult for them to match like lower inventory versus feed with lower, you know, conversion situations, but right. it actually does pretty well. Wow. Um, so I, we tend to do a lot of conversion with Instagram stories still. Um, I mean, I know that that'll probably change in the future as they add more inventory and there's more competition. Sure. But right now, um, you know, part of it is that the CPMs are still cheaper. Um, in a lot of cases, they're way cheaper than feeds. So even if the conversion rate's lower, you're paying so much less that it doesn't really matter. It's like the, the numbers still work in your favor because the waste is so cheap, it, it's negligible. Huh. Um, so we actually still see a really good result when it comes to conversion. Which is great news for an advertiser, or a, a, an advertiser that's thinking about getting in there because so yep. many times display advertising, for lack of a better description, yeah. is going towards brand support and... Yep and and uh, remarketing goals. I mean, this literally is top of the funnel conversion opportunity. It is. So you have that you have that direct connection to to investment to return on investment, yep. which is so different than yeah. I mean, we're always talking <laughs> talking multi-touch, right? And we do want to yeah. get to attribution here real quick, but I mean, be able to have that type of gratification just yeah. off of rolling some better creative uh that's persuasion factor to say it's, the least. And it's kind of funny because we're just not used to seeing that anymore. So when we started yeah. seeing it, we're like, oh God, it feels so good to see that again. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. It's refreshing. So it's like, yeah, it's like you get these great return on spend. You're like, oh, that was like the old days. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, um, this is this is relatively new. We had a year of, yeah. of, of, of story ads. Is the audience going to uh, uh, wind down from an, an activity standpoint? I'm sure. I mean, I think it's. I think you've still got a pretty long shelf life for it because yep. um, they've been very careful about how much ad inventory they do add. Oh, good. So it's not. It doesn't feel as pervasive as the feed yet, but 
you know, I, they're, they're going to run into the same problem where it's like, it, it works great now, but that's going to be their moneymaker. And yep. so then all the inventory is going to go there and then users are going to be like, this sucks. It's all ads. It's, it's like this predictable cycle. Yeah that you see in everything. Um, it's the same with like, or, you know, free or organic reach, either, whether it's search or Facebook, anything that's free traffic never stays free. Right. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that once people discover a certain type of ad unit is working, it's only a matter of time. I think with stories, it hasn't blown up and become as competitive as fast because of that learning curve we talked about, mm-hmm. um, where brands are just so used to doing feed stuff. It's been kind of an adjustment to kind of like turn their battleships wow. <laughs> to, to make this creative. So I haven't seen them be as nimble. The, the brands that do well are the ones that nim- are nimble. And when they send the creative, they're just like, here, we made it in story versions too. And they've already cut it. They've recentered everything. It looks great. Those are the ones that get out faster. Hmm. Um, so in, in for some brands, it's like they look at it and they're like, oh, it's such a small part of the spend. It's not worth it. So that's the other thing. Some brands just aren't bothering because there's not enough inventory there yet for them to pay the extra money to have the creative people make a different version. Huh. So there's, you know, there's some things like that that I think over time will start to change. But Almost that's this quiet people, before like, the storm, right? It, it, it definitely is. <laughs> like we've, we've had that joke where... Um, one of my friends had read, you know, I, I wrote this like step-by-step for social media examiner about how to get started with these. And he's like, Shh, stop telling people, like, don't tell them. They're You're all going to show it. up. <laughs> like they're all going to show up. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's bound to happen. Um, I think the one thing that, you know, like I said, the, the one edge that some brands have is if they're good at creative, they'll get it done faster. Mm-hmm. So they'll be quicker to market and they'll still be able to capitalize on it. But, but I think, uh, you know, consumers in all platforms are just getting more and more, not only savvy, but they, they can sniff, sniff out, uh, uh, spun stories, spun content. They're jaded. They are jaded <laughs> and they, they don't have the near, nearly as much acceptance, uh, in platforms. Uh, so the, the platforms themselves have such a huge responsibility not to abuse their audiences. Yes. And, and so you're going to see these, these fractional, uh, uh, deliveries uh, of a- advertising, and, mm-hmm. and and you're just going to have to start opening up that portfolio to a number of different ways, as opposed to mass push of advertising uh, yes. in in the feed. It's, it, the, the users themselves are are communicating based on platform se- selection, and on top of that, you know they're they're share they're they're showing you from behavior of top of the funnel conversions that they're they're willing to dive in there, but at mm-hmm. the same time. You know, it, it, you've got to be very, very careful uh, not not to uh, allow that audience to be abused. Um, I want to shift real quick with the small sure. time we have, um, yeah. and appreciate the, the unpacking of, of story ads because that's that's certainly it's refreshing to know that there's there's a platform out there or there's a medium yeah. out there that there's still opportunity. Unbelievable! <laughs> it's, 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 it's like a, it's a it's a gem <laughs> found in a, in a very dry desert. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> But when it comes down to attribution, uh, just to yep. talk quickly about this is that there's still a problem with attribution, uh, multi-touch, cross-platform app, uh, attribution mm-hmm. uh, on different ads. And for users that don't un- don't know what we're talking about here is literally tracking a- 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 an engagement of a consumer across the different ad platforms we're ro- rolling on. And we have multiple devices, you know, that 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 we are trying to pierce that veil to be able to understand, to able to understand the, e- the ecosystem that you set up with advertising, mm-hmm. how it actually hands off to another platform. Can you, de- this, can you de- describe that better for us? Yeah, so the biggest problem that I see is that um, – the measurability of things that don't occur on the client's or brand's site is mm-hmm. the hardest problem. Um, because when you look at 
you know, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, they incentivize brands to have people not leave the site. Right. So they actually hate it when you run traffic campaigns or conversion campaigns. That is not their favorite thing. Right. Um, and <laughs> like with, you know, with YouTube's algorithm, you're going to be more likely to show up if your people stay on. So, you know, the advice is like, don't try and get people to your site from YouTube because they want you to stay and watch longer. So the platforms are incentivizing user behavior that does actually not align mm -hmm. with the advertiser's desire. Gotcha. So you have kind of these two competing factions. So the thing that's difficult with the attribution piece is that brands are willing to admit that, you know, yes, there's a lot that happens not on our site beforehand, but we just don't know what those things are and how they kind of mesh in with what we see in the, the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people try and use like Google Analytics, but again, if they don't come to your site, that you're not able to intake that just the impression level data that's happening on the, um, the third party platform side. So that's the part I feel like you know, brands are getting better about testing different attribution models within Google Analytics for their actual site data. Mm -hmm. It seems like the the kind of the real pain point right now is just what people are doing on third-party platforms before they even come to the site. You still have metrics there. You still have, but you, you do. but you're not going to be able to automate these. That you're going to have to, and it's not antithetical because that is still there. But you have to expand your mind that it's not a a conversion funnel. As Correct. it is a, a, a environment in which you're having engagement that's loosely associated. So there's yes. a maturing of the 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 engagement fact, uh, model that has to happen inside of. And it, there's a data science portion to it that right. you know I think it it really requires an investment in data visualization. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that we wind up doing for clients a lot is they're like, look, we're running on 18 different platforms and we can't see everything in one place. Right. So, um, you know, things like, um, you know, power BI for, for Microsoft or looker or all these tools are so hmm. important because it's the only place where you can pull in, like, here's like, you can map, like, here are your Facebook engagements against, you know, your search traffic or, you know, it's like, you right. can start bringing these things together and it's correlation, not causation, all that stuff. But still it gives you some type of visual of like, Hey, when we spend more with people watching our commercials, do we see any other channels respond accordingly right. um just to no have that knowledge of you know it's it's just trending more towards a like total marketing dollars in versus total marketing dollars out huh. um and but you still have to find a way to know how to fine tune it a little bit in the middle so that's kind of where i think brands are trying to figure that piece out still that's yeah, a tough it's a tough pill for any it any is. uh cmo to, to fathom is is that you're not going to be able to have that laid out cleanly you're going to no. have to have to navigate in the platform's data themselves and yep. put together a user model put together a a, a a theory behind things and be able to see that those transactions on their own on their own merit and make a connection uh in in the different in, in the different platforms and the different analytics that they have. Um, so, what are your what are your thoughts? What is the the guidance that you'd give to organizations? Because we were just talking about a great conversion uh, uh, model over at Instagram Stories, and there's so mm -hmm. many different types of of conversion tools out there. What would you give uh, as guidance for a marketing firm, or I should, I should say, a uh, an organization of how to pull all this together? And yeah. it's never going to be seamless. It's never going to be it's completely not. right. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of it is also tied into that as places just feel overwhelmed because there's like, well, should I be on Snapchat? Should I be on these on Facebook? Right. Which things should I be on? So a lot of times what I'll tell brands to do is like, okay, stop. <laughs> let's, let's find the one channel that we, you know, we know is probably the bulk hmm. of where you're spending your money. Mm -hmm. And maybe we fine tune in there first, Got where it. we kind of say, let's run some theories, like let's run, you know, engagement and video ads in this 
you know, particular demographic and not do it here or in this geography and not here. Right. And then we'll go to the Google Analytics side and watch over the times where we run that to see like, do we see other channels performing differently? Does direct traffic increase in the coming weeks? Does search increase in the coming weeks? So it's it's very much a testing environment, mm -hmm. but you have to decide what you're testing. Like just shoving a whole bunch of money in and being like, oh, nothing came out. That doesn't help you. So you need to decide what it is you're testing. Like what is it you want to solve for? So if you're like, we don't know if we should spend money running video on Facebook. Let's start there. So we, th there's two ways we can do that. We can run it as video views. We can run it as engagement. Let's pick two cities and run them. And then let's just see how folks behave in the coming weeks. If there's no change, then didn't seem to have much of a brand lift. If there is a change, how much did they exponentially change in both those markets? So you have to kind of pick things that have a baseline and then just add one thing and see what it does. And then add another thing and see what it does. It's It's a very laborious type of testing. It's very kind of sequentially testing things. It's not scientifically perfect, mm. but that's usually the quickest way you can kind of start to eliminate some of the things that maybe you're wasting time on and then find the things where you might be getting, you know, an edge. Um, but at the same time, uh, where's the patience going to come from of actually testing that particular thing out and giving it enough runway to actually yep. give, us, give you data one way, shape or form. You could easily, the lazy marketer could easily roll out two weeks and decide on something without actually mm -hmm. truly testing the, the variables of creative, of, of, yep. of engagement, any, any of those. So there's a challenge there. But I do like the fact that we're talking methodology of experimentation. As yeah, opposed and, to and the platform side is important for that piece where it's kind of like if you're not seeing the in-platform metrics that are good, don't even worry about what's happening later. Like if people aren't watching more than one second of your video, you are not going to get anything for that. So you need to fix that mm -hmm. before you start looking at, okay, so now we have people that are watching 20 seconds of our 30-second video. Okay, good. Keep that going, and then let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks. So Very it good. is that kind of two-phase process. Very good. Very good. So, so your guidance is experiment, have some patience. Yes, but, but also know <laughs> that you have to test in those in those yes. spaces and and uh, learn from your ads, learn from these thoughts. All right, the data will tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, the data will tell you what to do. All right, so I got to wrap up here, Susan. I really appreciate the time. We do ask you uh, again and again, what bugs you right now in your industry? Um, still the the last click mentality. Um, a lot of times, you know, that it's like well, we're going to put you know this amount towards paid search because it drives so much. And it's like, but there's stuff happening before that mm -hmm. that drives things like brand search. So it's just getting people out of that last click mentality. Um, because then it's like eventually remarketing funnels stop working. They're like, why aren't remark remarketing funnels working? Well, because you didn't spend anything at top of funnel because you were so obsessed with the bottom of the funnel. So there's still that conversation that's happening a lot at kind of helping hmm. brands understand that there's so much that happens before that conversion. And if they don't invest money there, they get a smaller and smaller pool of people that are brand aware, let alone those that are going to convert. So that's still an ongoing conversation, which is kind of funny because that's what marketing is. <laughs> Classic marketing is like brand and awareness and, you know, like engaging with brand and then going on to buying. It's, it's always been understood to be this multi-step process, but in digital, because for many years, all that could be measured was bottom of the funnel. That's still this mentality of like, well, let's put all our money there because that's the bottom of the funnel. So what you're saying is we're all uh, addicted to digital crack. That's what Very much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And it's tough for us media buyers as the dealers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like that analogy. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, what excites you about your industry right now? Um, I, I'm really excited about like just seeing what's going to happen with the ad formats in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been exciting to see stories start to take off because feeds were starting to feel kind of played out. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, all the options were kind of done. So um, I think that's exciting. I'm also excited for the new platforms that are coming forth that offer something a little different. So I'm really curious to see where TikTok goes. Mm -hmm. um, they're growing like crazy. I'm excited to see if Snapchat can continue to grow and be competitive in this environment. Um, I, you know, I think there's still a lot of growth to be done on Instagram. So right. I'm curious to see what they continue to adopt there. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how the demographics continue to play out among these different, um, you know, ad platforms and then also what they respond to from an ad unit perspective. They're, they're kind of voting with their feet or clicks as the case may be. Yeah, they are. They're, they're pushing back and, uh, the, the consumers have a voice. You got to listen to it. Mm -hmm. So how's the food blog going? <laughs> it's going well, actually. <laughs> I've got uh, one last recipe that I'm doing before I launch. So um, I've gotten very into food photography, which has been kind of a fun, creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. um, I think all my years actually making making digital ads have helped because <laughs> I understand framing and lighting and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so boy. it's been the, fun. The pictures, the pictures are one of the most important <laughs> things there. Absolutely. Yeah, so my husband loves it because he gets to taste test everything. Absolutely. So he's just like, keep making stuff up. Keep making recipes. <laughs> now, you keep on throwing a few a few food items on Twitter, but uh, we need a destination. So roll that thing out, okay? I will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we certainly thank you for your time. Today. And again, if we come across you on a different conference, uh, uh, we'll certainly give you a shout out. Any final thoughts for the digital marketing audience? Just keep experimenting. I think we're going to – all the changes we've seen in the past year, I think, are going to really – kind of come to bear this year. And I think by the end of the year, I think that's when we're going to see Instagram stories starting to get super competitive. So just get your learnings in now, fail fast, find out what works and what doesn't, and then just start applying it. And you're going to be 10 steps ahead of your competition. Bang. All right. Get your learning in now. Uh, follow uh, Susan on Twitter at Susan Edub, uh, LinkedIn, Susan Winograd, and uh, Instagram, Susan Winograd as well. We thank you so much for your time today. And, and thanks for being a third timer here. We appreciate it. We're going to get you for a fourth time down the road, right? Of course. Happy to. <laughs> All righty. All righty. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Edge of the Web uh, radio channel on YouTube. Uh, make sure that, uh, hey, if you're feeling up to it, drop us a, a quick review on iTunes as well. Be sure to check Check out all the must-see videos over at edgeofthewebradio.com, edgeofthewebradio.com. If you're a listener or a watcher to uh, to the show, uh, if you're going to be out at SMX, give us a hey, uh, and we'll be happy to talk to you and uh, and maybe even do an interview too while we're out there. So uh, give us a shout. Next week, we're going to have Sherry Bonnelly on the show. And uh, for all of us over at Edge of the Web and Site Strategics, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you at SMX, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. Bye-bye.